Hey, good morning, Plum Creek. It's good to see all of you here today. I especially want to welcome any visitors who may be with us this morning. We're glad you're here, and if you are new to Plum Creek, I want you to know you have not found a perfect church, but we are a church that is serious about following Jesus Christ. We are serious about becoming the people God wants us to be. So this morning, we're finishing up our series called Next Steps, and this series has been especially helpful to show us something that we all have in common, and it's this. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we all have a next step to take. Nobody here has arrived. Nobody here has reached perfection. We all have growing to do. So for the past three weeks, we've been seeking God, and we've been asking Him, where are you leading us from here? And from a big picture perspective, we all have the same next step to take. The step is to draw closer to Jesus. That's it. So that doesn't matter who you are, whether you've been at church all your life or you're just giving church a first try today. Uh, We all have that same step of drawing near to Jesus. But if you zoom in a little bit, if you look at our individual situations, drawing near to Jesus can take many different forms. Uh, For some of us here, your next step is to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. Others of us have have walked into this room with a heavy heart for some reason. You you carried a lot of pain in here with you. So your step may be to, to find comfort and rest in Jesus. But then others of us may need to take the step to follow some instructions that Jesus gave us. Do what he asked us to do or learn to love how he called us to love. That next step can take many different forms in our individual lives. Like I said, today is the conclusion of this series, so I don't want to move on until we all know what our step is. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take one final look at the map that we've been using the last few weeks. If you've been around for this whole series, you know that we've used this stage as a map of your journey with Christ. And by now, I'm sure some of you could come up here and explain the map to everybody else. But today, we're going to do something a little different. As I go through this one last time, I want you to try to locate yourself on this map. Try to figure out exactly where you are on your journey with Christ. And I'll give you fair warning. This may be a little more challenging than we might expect. But are you ready? Let's get started. And we'll start over here on the other side of this door. If you find yourself over here, this is because you you have not yet established a relationship with Jesus. For for whatever reason... um, You have not chosen to put your life in his hands to become his disciple. And it could be that you're not sure you believe all this Jesus stuff. It could also be that you're concerned about what it may cost you to become a Christian. But the point is, as of today, you would not call yourself a follower of Christ. But if we take a step in this direction, we encounter this door. This door represents Jesus himself because he said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door and whoever enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, here's the deal. 
the decision to walk through this door is the most important decision you can make in all of your life. No exceptions. And here's what I mean by that. In the verse we just read, Jesus alludes to the fact that all of us need to be saved from something. So this is another thing that we all have in common. We've all sinned against God. We've all done wrong in His eyes. And our sin is not just a disappointment to God. Our sin is an act of rebellion that severed our relationship with Him. And unless we find a way to repair our relationship with God, then we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity. That would be eternal death. That would be hell. But God doesn't want hell for you or me or anybody else. Because of His great love for us, the love that we were just singing about earlier, God pursued us. And He made a way for our sins to be forgiven, for this relationship to be restored and repaired. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came into this world knowing that somebody had to pay the penalty for our sins. And Jesus stepped up and said, I'll do it. Jesus went to the cross and he willingly laid down his life so that we would have the chance to be saved, saved from this penalty of eternal death. And Jesus offers this salvation as a a gift. It's a free gift, but we do need to receive it. And we receive this gift of salvation when we walk through the door and we become a follower of Christ. Now, Here is where we've mentioned some specific steps. The Bible lays out several steps that are associated with walking through this door. And if this this is not your first week of this series, I want to see if you can remember these steps. First, we said when when someone begins a life-changing relationship with Jesus, God is looking for what? What's the, the big thing that God's looking for? It's faith. Ephesians chapter 2, we're saved by the grace of Jesus through faith in Jesus. That's huge. Faith is putting your trust in Christ, putting your life in His hands, putting your future in His hands. And then we, we also mentioned that as we read the Bible, and specifically the New Testament, we see four common actions that serve as evidence that our faith is genuine, that we're really putting our trust in Christ. Do you remember those actions? We see two of them in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The first one is to believe in Jesus. That means you've come to the conclusion that he really is who he said he is. The the second action is to confess Jesus as your Lord, your your master. That means you you put him in the driver's seat in your life. uh, You're not in charge anymore. Then we saw two other actions in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. One is to repent, to turn away from your old life, and you stop doing those things that go against God's will, and you start doing the things that are in line with His will. And then the final action here is to be baptized. That's when a person is immersed in water as a way to mark the end of an old life and the beginning of new life in Christ. So that's what we see in the Bible as someone walks through this door. And and let me tell you, we get very excited around here when someone begins a relationship with Jesus. That's a reason to celebrate because it's the difference between life and death. 
eternal life and eternal death. So whether a person is old or young or somewhere in between, it's a big deal when someone steps through this door. And I have to tell you, uh, at the end of the 1045 service last week, a young lady approached me. Her name's Kaya Fox. And, and she said, I'm ready. And I was like, all right, let's talk. And I sat down with Kaya and her mom, and we looked at some scripture, and we went over some of the same things we're talking about here. And it was clear she was ready to be baptized. Uh, we talked about the best time for that to happen, and she decided the best time is right now. So she got baptized right then. And it was a great moment. Like I said, we celebrate when somebody begins this relationship with Christ. Many of you know that for over two years now, we've been praying to see 100 people baptized into Christ at Plum Creek. That's why we have that imagine sign in the back of this room. Every time someone is baptized, they add a light bulb to that sign. And I'm excited to say we're about to run out of empty sockets and I've heard that we're going to see three more baptisms later today. And that means three more light bulbs in the sign. Like prayers are being answered. So there's no question about it. Stepping through this door is a big deal. However, that is not the extent of what it means to follow Jesus. You don't just walk through the door and then sit right there. And stay put. We all have a next step to take, right? We should all be moving towards a goal, and that's what this cross is about on this side of the stage. This cross represents our destination. And, and really, uh, we're, we're moving toward two separate but related goals. Do you remember what they are? Ultimately, we're aiming for that long-term goal, which is to be with Jesus. That's when life on earth is over, and we just get to enjoy being in the presence of Christ for eternity. I've been thinking about this particular goal a lot for the past two days, because on Friday morning, my Uncle Blaine passed away at the age of 100. That's him in, in the white shirt there, surrounded by my dad and his other brothers and sisters. And I wanted to share... Uh, a tribute that my cousin Lynn wrote on Facebook yesterday. He said, Our Uncle Blaine completed 100 years and 28 days before crossing the finish line yesterday morning. His race began before World War I was history. He spent every day of World War II in Europe. On his 100th birthday last month, Presidents Bush, Bush, and Trump personally called to congratulate him as a Purple Heart recipient reaching the century mark. Uncle Blaine held on to celebrate his 100th with family and friends, specifically so he could deliver to them the message of hope that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. After such a full and great life, what could be sweeter than crossing the finish line? That's it. That's the finish line. Man, I look forward to that day, to the day when I get to be with Jesus and, and, and be reunited with so many who have gone before. But what about those of us who are still here? What's the short-term goal? We're not just killing time here, right? As, as we walk through this life, the short-term goal is to be what? Like Jesus. 
That's what's happening in the middle section of this map between the door and the cross. This is where we allow the Spirit of God to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. And over time, we start to look more and more like Jesus. We, we learn to speak like Him and act like Him and love like Him. And again, we laid out some specific steps that take place in the middle section of this map. Do you remember what those were? Let's go through them very quickly. Based on Scripture, growing disciples take these seven steps. Number one, worship regularly. Two, connect with God on a daily basis. Number three, live differently, different than how you used to live and different than the rest of the culture. Number four, do life together in community. Five, give generously. Six, serve others. And then finally, number seven, reach out to your one. So, there you go. By this point, all of us should be on the same page. We should be caught up. We should have enough information to try to locate ourselves on this map. So let me ask you, do you know where you are? And don't just think about this from your own perspective. Think about what God would say. Where would he put you on this map? Now, for some of us, this exercise isn't quite so difficult. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you know you're somewhere on the other side of this door. But for those of us who have become followers of Christ, it gets a little tricky. Just how much progress have we made in the short-term goal of being like Jesus? Hopefully, we can look back and see, well, I'm not where I used to be. Hopefully, we can see some evidence that, that we've moved toward the cross. But if you had to drop a pen on this map, where would you put it? Would you drop it back here? Would you drop it way over here? And by the way, how do you even determine that? Because all of us have so many different strengths and weaknesses. And if I'm looking at my strengths, I might think, well, I could be over here. But if I'm thinking about my many weaknesses, I might drop back and put that pen back here. It's not so easy, is it? But let me give you some help. I've got two things for you to remember. Number one, if you have a relationship with Jesus... You don't have to stress about this. If you've stepped through that door, you can be confident that you are under grace. You are 100% forgiven. You're not 50% forgiven if you've only made it halfway to the goal of being like Jesus. It's 100%. And, and you're not kicked out the back door every time you mess up. This is the amazing thing about God's grace when you belong to Jesus, you can relax and know that you are in good standing with God because God sees you as righteous only because of what Jesus has done. So first, praise God for that. But here's the second thing to remember, and this is big. Listen to this. As you walk this path, never overestimate how much progress you've made. Never overestimate how much progress you've made. Throughout Scripture, we are repeatedly warned about this danger of being overconfident. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul's writing to Christians, and he says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul is talking about the middle section of this map. This is where we're being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then let's look at the very next verse in this chapter. Paul says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, why do you suppose Paul warned us about not thinking too highly of ourselves? It's because he knew we'd be tempted to do this, right? Many of us fall into this trap of comparing ourselves with others. We might say, well, at least I don't sin like that person over there. and At least I don't struggle with the things that group struggles with. But all the while, we tend to ignore our own blind spots. We may start to picture ourselves way down here, approaching Christ-likeness, while God may say, hold on a second, you need to back it up a little bit. You're not as far as you think you are. Now, if you think you don't have any blind spots, you may want to read a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. This is in our Bible reading plan for this week in your bulletin. But Luke 18 verse 9 says that Jesus told this parable for a parable for a specific reason, for a specific audience. He was speaking to a group that was confident of their own righteousness and they looked down on everyone else. And as you read the story, it's pretty clear. You don't want to be that person who is overconfident. So how do we locate ourselves on this map while maintaining a humble and teachable spirit? Well, if you're in the middle section here, between the door and the cross, I don't think we really can pinpoint an exact location. We have to leave that up to God. The main thing we can do is just never get complacent about our spiritual growth. We, we never forget that we still have growing to do. And we keep asking God what our next step should be. Sometimes God will lead us to go back and pick up something that we missed. For example, let's say you walked through this door at some point and you were supposed to repent of everything in your life that went against God's will. But there was a little area, some little corner of your life where you said, God, you can have everything else but not this. I'll follow where you lead everywhere else, but I'm not ready to let go of this. Now, if that's you, what's your next step? Well, it's time to go back and say, God, I'm sorry. I should have trusted you. I should have believed that your plan is better than my plan. So even this, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to repent. Ask for you to, to forgive me and lead me. Here's another example. Uh, maybe you made the decision to give your life to Jesus, but you never made the choice for yourself to be baptized or immersed into Christ. If you skipped over that step way back there, Jesus was clear that he wanted us to do this. Just a few weeks ago, we read from Matthew 28, where Jesus said to his followers, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He left us these instructions, and they're pretty clear. So when we choose to be humble instead of overconfident, and when we choose to trust God instead of trusting ourselves, we'll follow wherever he leads. If he tells us to go back and take a step that we missed, we'll do it. If he tells us to do something that we find uncomfortable or intimidating, We'll do that, too. Which brings me to a step that I haven't talked about very much in this series. It's that seventh and final step that we associate with growing disciples. You remember what that was? 
It's the step to reach out to your one. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, this whole idea comes from what we just read in Matthew chapter 28. What did Jesus tell his followers to do? He said, go make disciples of all nations. So now, did Jesus give those instructions only to those who were listening to him on that particular day? Well, no. Jesus gave this mission to all of his followers from that point on. So if you are anywhere on this path, somewhere between the door and the cross, God has called you to be a disciple of Jesus who makes other disciples of Jesus. Honestly, I believe this is one of the major blind spots for many church people today. It's very common for someone to think, you know, I'm a pretty good Christian. I go to church, I put something in the offering, I avoid sin, uh, at least for the most part, at least the big ones. I think I'm doing all right. But listen, if we are ignoring the mission that Jesus gave us, we're not doing all right. The fact is, we are surrounded by people who are on the other side of this door. And as of right now, they are headed for an eternity without Christ. And if that doesn't bother us, then our hearts are not in line with God's heart. If we haven't taken ownership of this mission from Jesus, if we're not directly involved in leading people to a life-changing relationship with Christ, then we're not as close to Jesus as we think we are. The truth is, God wants us to play a key role in helping people get back to him. In most cases, God uses people to reach people. And think about that for a second. If, if you're following Jesus today, can you remember someone, a, a person, who played a major role in your decision to give your life to Christ? Maybe it was a, a parent or a co-worker or a minister. Do you remember who God used to help you see your need for Jesus? If you, if you can remember that person, go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand if you remember somebody who was a huge influence on you. Don't you thank God for that person? See, this is what God does. He uses people to be his ambassadors. And that's exactly what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In that passage, Paul says that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Man, it's a huge responsibility, isn't it? But it's also an amazing privilege. We get to be ambassadors of Christ, speaking and acting on his behalf. Think about the purpose of that role. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador is someone who represents a particular nation and has a message to give to a different nation. And what if an ambassador would say something like, you know, I know the message I'm supposed to give to this president or prime minister or whatever, but I decided I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. It's, it's easier that way. If an ambassador takes that approach, how long do you think it would be before they're out of a job? Not long, right? So clearly, we can't say that we're disciples of Christ and then completely ignore this command to make other disciples. We can't neglect the role of being ambassadors for Christ. 
problem is, for many of us, this whole idea of leading someone to Jesus, it feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like that moment when somebody rings your doorbell and then tries to talk you into believing something that you just don't believe. And trust me, I get that. After all, how does it usually go when, when Christians go out and say, hey, we're right, you're wrong, you need to change, you need to join us? Usually it doesn't go very well, does it? So then how do we approach this? Well, a couple of years ago, we landed on a very simple idea. It's called pray for one. And instead of taking on this burden like we need to go out and change everybody's mind, which, by the way, is a burden we were never meant to carry, we just get up every morning and we pray a simple prayer that goes like this. God, give me one person to share your love with today. That's it. You just ask God to put someone in your path, and when he does, you look for an opportunity to show that person the love of Jesus. I think this is a great approach for, for lots of reasons. First, it gives you a chance to see that God really does answer prayer. It, it's an amazing thing. When I go to God and I ask him to send someone my way, he does it. It's very consistent. And from there, the possibilities are wide open. There are so many ways to share God's love with someone. You can speak an encouraging word. You can uh, offer a helping hand. You can offer to pray for someone. And i got to tell you, of the many times that I've asked someone, can I pray for you, there has never been anyone who came back and said, no, please don't pray for me. No, I would say sure. So there are many ways to share God's love, to point someone to Jesus. But when we think about the word evangelism, we get intimidated. And we might think, man, I just don't know enough to lead someone to Jesus. But here's the truth. Evangelism, sharing the good news, it can be as simple as sharing your story. You just break your story down into three parts, three chapters. Here's the outline. Part one is when you say, this was my life before Jesus, over there. Part two is when you say, this is how I encountered Jesus, the story of when I walked through the door. Then part three is when you talk about how your life is different now. This is what my life looks like since I met Jesus. Now, do I recommend that you run up to every stranger around you and tell your story? No, I don't really recommend that. Like I said, God uses people to reach people, but the normal pattern is that he'll use you to reach someone that you have a relationship with. That person has gotten to know you a little bit. You've earned the right to be heard. So as you pray for one, there's a good chance that your one is already in your life, maybe a friend or a neighbor or someone in your family. And when God puts that person on your heart, just keep your eyes open for opportunities. For example, you can invite your one to be a part of something that's happening here at Plum Creek. Um, you can look at upcoming events through this lens of praying for one, and, and you'll see opportunities all around you. Since we're on this subject, I'll give you a couple suggestions. Next week, we're starting a series called Overflow. And this series is based on the words of Jesus. He said that, your words and your actions flow out of your heart. That means if you want to change, if you want to become a better person, you can't start on the outside and work inward. you got to let God deal with your heart if you want to make real progress. 
So leading up to the start of this series, we're going to put a, a video on Facebook explaining a little bit of what it's about, and you can share that video. And if you know who your one is, you can specifically invite them to join us. A little further down the road, we have a series coming in October that's actually perfect for anyone who has questions about Jesus or Christianity. This series is called You Asked For It. And I'd love to tell you what we're going to talk about, but I don't know yet. Because this whole series will be determined by the questions that are submitted to us. You may have noticed the insert in your bulletin this morning. We're asking everyone to help us with this. We want to know your biggest question about God or faith or the church. But we also want to know the questions that your friends are asking. So we'd love it if you take this card, write down a question, and drop it in the basket on your way out at either exit today. But remember, this is another opportunity for your one. You could ask them to go to the website and submit their own question. And then you could follow up by inviting them to be here for the series. Or if they're not quite ready to, to be at church yet, then you can help them listen to the messages online. And that'll be a step in the right direction. So you got overflow, you got you asked for it, and if that wasn't enough, we also have the Taste of Plum Creek coming again at the end of October. And historically, we've seen more guests at this particular event than almost any other time of the year. And we're being very intentional this year to make sure it's as easy as possible to get from Taste of Plum Creek to being connected here at church. So there are many opportunities coming, but it starts by praying for one. God, give me one person to share your love with today. Is that your next step? Do you need to make a commitment right here and right now that you will pray for one every day from now on? If that's your step, that's a great one. But we've covered so many possible steps over the past four weeks whether it's walking through the door or growing as a disciple, we all have a step to take. Do you know what yours is? And are you ready to take it? Let's keep moving. Let's, let's make progress toward that goal, drawing closer and closer to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, for the reminder of your great love for us, for what you've saved us from, the, those of us who have received this amazing gift. We are grateful. But we also want to remember that uh, you've called us to, to represent you in this world, to help others find that salvation. Lord, all along the way, we know there are many steps to take. Lord, help us to never be complacent. Give us the clarity to see what's important, to, to seek you and ask where you're leading. And give us the courage and the boldness to take whatever step you're calling us to take. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.